Welcome to episode 165. I am your host, Gail M. Davis, and this is Design Perspectives. Welcome to the Design Perspectives podcast. I am your host, Gail Davis. I will talk all things design from expectation to reality, from what to expect when working with designers as well as the trades. And from time to time, current events will seep their way into the conversation. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and listen. Today's lovely guest is Patrick Ediger. And I can't even begin to tell you how amazing this gentleman is. His work is so soulful and it just pulls you in and it makes you want to live there, not linger, but actually want to live in the space. He is multidisciplinary. Um, That's my New York accent, so just bear with me. I went to school for vocal performance, switched to theater. Um, He's a set designer. Uh, He does decorative painting. He's also a wallpaper creator. He is a multifaceted individual who also loves to make sure he includes vintage. Um, There's a three-step process that he uses, or I should say in thirds, how he designs. Please check out his website. Without further ado, please welcome Patrick. Hey, Patrick, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on to the Design Perspectives podcast. I am super excited to sit down with you and have this conversation. I'm going to be picking your brains for the next 20 minutes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hi, Gail. It's so great to be here. (laughs) Yay. Okay, so we just had a quick conversation. And what people don't understand that true interior designers like yourself, it's a long winding road to get to where we are. It's not just a straight shoot. At least that's how I feel. And that's absolutely right. Right. Because I, I want to talk about, you have several, um, you're multidisciplinary. And I have to say that slow with my New York accent, um, <laughs> which is so amazing because you know, um, about plaster, you know, about, um, stage and theater, you know about Trump Loy and decorative decorative plaster techniques. Um, you have like kind of done it all. And before you went out on your own and French American Wallpaper Company, which we'll talk about, and before you actually went out on your own, you also rose from the ranks of design assistant to senior designer for Woodson and Rummerfield House of Design, correct? That's right. Yeah, this is going to be a lot to unpack, which I'm super excited about because this is this is interesting to me. So, how did you get started? Let's let's before you landed in Los Angeles, tell me about your background. So, yeah, let's find back the clock a little bit. I am originally from a tiny little um, rural community in Western Nebraska. So, um, I went to school in Lincoln, Nebraska. I actually originally went to school for vocal performance, if you can believe it. And then after doing that for a semester, I thought, you know what, this is great, but there are people who are way more talented than I am. (laughs) And and I like to be a star. So, um, yeah, so I made my way over to the theater building, and I never left. Um, And I, so my degree is in theater, and I spent most of my time doing acting, directing, and um, set design. 
And while I was there, I learned how to do a lot of scenic painting. And so I spent um, a lot of college and then uh, during and after college um, doing summer stock, doing both directing and uh, scenic painting. <clears throat> and then from there, that went to, um, I started doing, I actually went to a couple, to a couple different classes, a couple different courses, and went to a school um that taught me how to do trunk floy and uh you know venetian plaster and a lot of decorative painting techniques and from there i started working with interior designers and it was kind of at that point where i thought okay i really love doing this but i am so in awe of the vision these people have mm -hmm. and i'm going to be doing that i don't want to be doing the work i want to be i want to be the visionary and so that's kind of took me to, um, that brought me up to Los Angeles. And from there, I started uh, looking for jobs as interior designers. Mm -hmm. I interviewed with Michael Smith. I interviewed with Waldo. They all told me no because I didn't have a degree in design and I never had the experience. And so um, Woodson Rummerfields had just opened their doors. Uh, they had a little shop on La Cienega and it was just the right place at the right time with the right people. And um, I guess the rest is history. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you to the people that said no, because it landed you exactly. <laughs> Listen, I tell people, I was like, just because you're declined doesn't, you know, or denied, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It just means that's not the fit that's for you. That's right. And so, you can feel down for a second, but the right door will open. So tell me a little bit about working at Woodson Rummerfeld, because I also know that they they do a lot of saving of or do their best to save iconic homes in Los Angeles, because I know that's been a big deal for the past couple of years that they're trying to the, the, the city's trying to rip down a lot of the iconic homes. It's all you know, it's been a problem in Los Angeles uh, forever forever you know the city has this incredible history of a completely original architecture and it is you know forever being torn down or bigger better newer um <clears throat> but working for Ronald James was great they really gave me my footing and taught me you know everything I know about um design and a lot of the stuff that when I went out to begin when I went out on my own to begin with mm -hmm. um has a lot of influence by their um their glamour and their high style what have been some of the lessons that you had to learn because this is the other thing I also tell designers who are like well I want to get into this I'm like you need to work for someone else first I think. Oh, absolutely. Before you yeah, go out on no. your own, because that's a that's a huge oh. learning curve. Look, a huge financial learning curve. Let me just put it put it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think that one of the things that has taken me the longest to learn, but it's the most important, is how important finesse is in the dance of the interior designer and working with the clients. To both being at the same time on top of everything but also being flexible enough to be constantly listening and able to kind of pivot on a dime when a client throws a loop, throws you for a loop. Right. No, that's, that's, that's the business itself. Um, yeah. And I, I think that 
it's been romanticized a lot about what we do. I just want oh, to, sure. you know, I want to switch gears because I want to talk about how you, what made you co-found, because you're just such a star, uh, the French American <laughs> wallpaper. Like what, what made you go into like, now I need to do wallpaper? <laughs> sure. So it actually was, um, it was directly related to my uh, relationship with Woods and Rumorfields. Towards the end of my tenure there, they decided to develop a wallpaper line. And I had a good friend, uh, Roland Budacor, who was a graphic designer. And so I brought him in to help us work on a number of designs and patterns for their wallpaper collection. Mm -hmm. And then after I left, um, I called him up and I said, hey, you know, we know how to do this. Why don't we do this for ourselves? <laughs> and it really just came of that. And, um, you know, we started with a very, very small collection about a decade ago. Mm -hmm. And it's slowly grown and slowly morphed and changed. And, you know, now we really focus on these giant, giant repeats and big designs. Most of our repeats are around eight feet by eight feet. Wow. So they're installed like a mural and they work really well, both in commercial and residential design. And um, we're repped by a spectacular showroom here in uh, California, Una Milan. Oh my goodness, nice. Now, do you use... <laughs> because it's your line. Do you use a lot of your wallpaper in your projects? Do you um, present it or do you really like just pull from everywhere to make sure like you're not just being like, oh, it's me. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> that's something I would do. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Sure. <laughs> it really depends on the projects. You know, the funny thing is most of our designs are actually from situations in projects where I was looking for a specific wallpaper or I wanted to do a, um, a wall finish and, you know, we went out to get the quote for the wall finish. It was $30,000 to do the room. And I said, you know what? I can do that for half of wallpaper. Wow. So I just invented the design for that reason. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. But, um, it's, it's a combination. It's a combination. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not just stuck to, my own aesthetic, my own design. I love incorporating other designers uh, of wallpapers and textiles into my work. So it's always a combination of of our work and somebody else's when it comes to wallpaper. But I do love using it. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say about French American, uh, uh, which is really, really an amazing point, and I think a great segue to what we're going to talk about too next, is we're actually a semi sustainable product. Um, the vast majority of our wallpapers are printed on recycled material. Nice. And the, ink, and the inks that are used uh, to print with are all derived of uh, plants. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love that because so you're right. It's really, nope. it's really great for the environment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I look that you do have a, you know, you're very dedicated to sustainability. And I know a lot of people say that, but you actually really are and that you have very um specific standards on what is your rule do you want to share what your rules are please yeah absolutely so you know this is something that's happened organically over the last several years and it's, it happened from conversations that i had with interior designers also a project that i um collaborated with another interior designer on where she used a lot of sustainable products and then having clients actually come to me and say, 
you know, we're frustrated, we're upset with um, making mistakes in the past, choosing our own furnishings without using a designer, and how much this stuff is, is crap that we can't reuse because it's poor quality and it's falling apart. Um, and so from that, uh, I kind of decided that I was going to, you know, put my stake in the ground. I recognize that as designers, we're the gatekeepers to literally everything that goes into our clients' homes. Yes, we are. And, <laughs> and so, you know, for me, it became an ethical obligation. I thought I need to present my clients with, with items that are in their best interest, that transform and elevate their homes for the better. And so I have a moral obligation to source and present stable products and materials for their home. And that. so it's that's that kind of, you know, I, I, I just decided this is something I needed to do to sleep at night. No, that makes um, sense. That makes sense. Because I mean, we need to be able to, there's so many times I look at things and I was like, wow, that was a waste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of just looking at past work I'd done and, and thinking, okay, yeah, that's exactly right. There was a lot of waste there. There was, we purchased too much of this or, um this wasn't done to the highest quality and now we're redoing it five years later for this client and while that's great for the bottom line it's really really bad for the planet um i think that the statistic is two billion tons of trash go into landfills worldwide every year wow of that over 10 million tons in the united states alone is furniture that's a staggering amount no that is um i can't even begin to tell you how many times that um and my friends are glad that i finally have a truck now that i have pulled over on the side of the road because i'll see a sofa or a chair and i was like wow it still has good bones it just needs to be cleaned up and reupholstered exactly right but people just throw it out and then when my friends come over they're like oh my god is that the same i was like yeah they're like oh where'd you get that from that's so beautiful i was like remember that time i told you i need your car for this yeah that was it <laughs> and it, it just makes me think because i also think about like estate sales like whatever they don't sell yes they really just put curbside and if no one picks it up like i was watching i cannot remember the netflix documentary but it was showing this guy basically cleaning this canal and the amount of furniture that was in there i was blown away it's obscene like yeah there's one of my dogs i was like wow like and i feel like that for designers we have to be good stewards and really exactly right. do our best to be like okay we could get some new things but also you know, incorporate maybe things that clients have, or, you know, like for me, we're getting ready to sell my grandparents' house finally, finally, finally. And I'm going to take a lot of the furniture because it's, first of all, amazing quality. Yes. Um, yes. It's not made like it's today. It's made like, you know, 60 plus years ago. But also there's a little patina on it and there's a story with it and there's a connection for me. That's exactly right. And if you could do that for your client, I think that's something amazing. And speaking of clients, um, how did you get Christina Aguilera? <laughs> I'm looking, I was like, Christina Aguilera, Cheryl Teagues, 
Phil Jackson. I was like, where, where is this man hanging out? Where is this person hanging out that he's getting all these people? <laughs> uh, you know, living in Los Angeles, so much of it is being in the right place at the right time. And that really is what it is for each and every one of those cases. And having the right relationships. Um, you know, I think that that's honestly the most important thing we do as designers is build relationships with our community True. and those of us around us. And that's, you know, that's all those things. That's how those doors open up for me. Uh, just continually having conversations with people and constantly talking about design. It is, I joke and say, it's my drug of choice. I sleep, eat and breathe it. It's and true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like people don't. So, but go ahead, honey. It, yeah. it was just about for me. It was just about building relationships and um, being the right place at the right time. It's really all it is. No, I love it. What is um, what is a lesson that you have learned building your business along this path to get to where you are? What are two very important lessons that technically are failures, but fa I don't. I mean, yes, failure is a word, but it's also failures or lessons for me. And it has, sure. you know, it's it's oh. it, it's taught you, it, it teaches you how to be better or how to pivot and be like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that again. What are two yeah. lessons that you learned that were failures that help your business thrive? I would say just that that understanding that you're going to make mistakes and uh that you're going to fail and using those as um sparks for reinvention for um lessons learned and taking what you did wrong and then understanding this is how i can make it better so whether that is making a mistake in um you know in interior architecture of a home or choosing the wrong fabric or whatever it is mm -hmm. um, looking at that and and not necessarily you know making the point of um i really really screwed this up and i can't do this anymore right. no, no good but right. but actually looking at it as as a lesson learned um and and understanding that it's it's a way to make yourself better um i'm trying to think you know, for me, I think the other lesson is this is a mistake I think I made early on is not trying to do everything on your own. Oh. You know, you are only as good as the team that you work with. True. And I think there's a lot of conversations today about finding your tribe. And I think that's a little misguided. You know, I think the difference is, is a tribe is a group of like-minded people all working towards the same goal. Whereas a team is a group of diversely talented people all working towards the same goal. And so with a diverse, you know, outlook and with different ideas, you're going to come to a better conclusion at the end of the day. Oh my God. I love that. It's true. No man is an island. Um, <laughs> before we go, beloved, please tell the people where they can find you. Absolutely. So um, my website is Patrick at patrickedder.com. And uh, my Instagrams are Patrick Ediger. That's uh, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-E-D-I-G-E-R. And then my wallpaper company is French American Wallpaper. And that's at French American Wallpaper on Instagram. 
Perfect. I will put all of that into the show notes. I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation with me. It means the world to me. And I thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Gail. Until next time, party people. Thank you for listening to the Design Perspectives podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gail M. Davis. I really appreciate you listening. Please don't forget to rate me on iTunes. It is super important and will help people to find where we are located. And the Design Perspectives podcast is also available on Design Network Platform. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day.